the intro song. We're singing along, drinking beer, and talking about politics. Uh, Henry and Hops, politics and beer. Adventures and thoughts for your ear holes to hear. So let's have a brew, maybe just three or two, perchance discover new shit that we never knew. So come along. That's the end of our song. Yeah. Oh, that actually is the end of... That's it. Uh, we just talk culture and shit. Hello, Juicebox. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm great, as you know, but our audience, if we have one, doesn't know. I just got back from drinking Plan of the Younger with old uh, Gabe. Yeah, how was it? I mean, oh, I've, never, was... I've never had it, so... Oh, man, I'm so spoiled. I'm, um, this is my third year in a row, I think, actually having it. No, no, I think I missed uh, 2013. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. But like the reality is I waited for probably 45 minutes and that was kind of the maximum. And I was able to get a seat at the bar, which was nice. Um, but really like for me, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, nothing's really worth waiting an hour for, you know, Yeah. for me. Yeah. Even rides at amusement parks where it's like standard practice, it feels ridiculous. No, man, yeah, you got to get that, uh, the handicapped person, you know, pull that game. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. No, that's not cool. But um, what I was no, going to No, but seriously, the best time I ever had at a theme park was the week I broke my leg. I went on this ride like five times in a row, first in line. <laughs> okay, so I guess the lesson is go to the theme parks only when you are handicapped. Cause you or get yourself a good pair of crutches or a wheelchair and be a good actor. Yeah, that's that's a little, that, but. that's a little trickier though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess it's you know it's a really good beer. It's ten something percent. It changes a little bit every year, but obviously it's mainly based on the fact that it's so hard to get because they only brew it once. You know, that's right, the biggest right. that's the biggest thing I think of why it's so coveted. It's not. I mean, at that point, it's like Hetty Topper, right? No beer is worth the hype. Nothing's worth that hype. Um, yeah, I mean, I think 120 minute used to be like that. Now it's a little more accessible, so people don't care quite as much. But I remember like two, year, two or three years ago, when when that when cases or or cask of that would come out, it would sell out in like a couple hours. Really? And now I feel like it's it's everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember well, in PA they would they would bring up like whenever they would have it on draft, it would disappear within like an hour or two. People would just come to the bar for miles, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because my old manager in Philly was telling me about um, about when he used to buy. He used to get a case of one twenty for like a hundred bucks, which is really cheap. Yeah. Back, I mean, back, back. I, I think you can still get it for nearly that price at a Total Wine in Den in Delaware. You think so? I think that's the only place. Yeah, cool. Because when last time I was there it was like one ten or something. Really? They don't have taxes, and it's in state. Uh, and it's at Total Wine, so it's like it's like at case price. So yeah, it's like at right. distributor price. But so basically, it's, yeah, it's, that's cheaper than at the brewery. I don't know. I don't. Know. It is. I don't. I don't. No, I don't know if I. No, I believe you. I don't know how much it costs. I, I haven't been there in like five or six years. This was. I'm a little outdated on this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, well, I think it's like I think it's like one fifty or one sixty at the brewery. I bought a four pack and it was like thirty something. <laughs> well, it's definitely gonna be more expensive in four packs than twenty eight. But no, uh, I just know, I just know. as a clarification, I know you can't hear this, Hunter, but uh, in case our podcast listeners can, 
Uh, my downstairs neighbor is a piano teacher, and mm-hmm. there's a large amount of piano coming in, as well as my next-door neighbor likes to blast his music. So there's sort of a combo uh, soundtracking going on right now in my Sweet. apartment. Um, nice. So that may be fading in and out of this podcast. And th- by the way, this is a mini podcast. We're not doing a full one here. This is just like a, a continuation uh, of our previous discussion of trying to keep up with current events. Um, we put out a mini for the Super Bowl. We figured we should put out a mini for the Grammys and this crazy business that happened with The Daily Show. Um, maybe we should start with The Daily Show. Yeah. Uh, uh, as everyone knows at this point, Jon Stewart is uh, retiring at the end of the year. Or before, um, maybe. And Col- yeah, and with Colbert retiring, it's sort of the end of an era of uh, Comedy Central news dominance. And um, I wonder if that had anything to do with him reti- uh, with Stewart retiring this year, Colbert leaving. I'm sure they're linked. I think it has more to do with the fact that Stuart made that film last summer and he seems to be branching out into other creative pursuits. Uh-huh. Uh, I also interestingly saw an interview with him, I think a week beforehand. Uh, I can't remember who he was talking to, but somebody brought up the fact that, oh, it was Bob Odenkirk talking about Better Call Saul and he was talking about how Breaking Bad ended maybe too early, but in a good way that it kept people wanting more, which is why they could do Better Call Saul. And yeah, exactly. John Stewart jokingly said it was as if he was talking to him that this show had gone on too long, that he'd been doing it for too long, and I think <laughs> that was a sign about how he felt about the job. And that was, like, literally the episode before he announced it. Um, so I think like there's been signs leading up to this for a while that, that he was ready to step down. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. When. But the problem is, of course, as everyone's been talking about, that uh, the two main candidates for the position... Uh, one left the show like 10 years ago to do Colbert Report, obviously. And then the second one, uh, the, the, the best candidate, uh, recently left to do... Um, John Oliver left for his own HBO show. So they've kind of left themselves a, a big hole there. Now, a lot of people are talking about Jessica Williams, um, who I think is a great choice, but I also think she's been on the show for only three years. And there's kind of a precedent of like nine or ten years of experience before they put you in that chair. Yeah, I just don't feel she's ready. It's nothing against her. I just don't think it's the right choice. Yeah, it's hard, though, because the people who have been there, the veterans like Asif and Jason Jones and Samantha Bee, I don't think any of them are really, like, head host material. Not not anything against any of those people, because I think they're all hilarious, but they have very niche personalities. Uh, well, Stuart it, was kind of all-encompassing. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the problem, I guess, with bringing a field reporter or what have you into the seat is that they have been playing extreme roles by the nature of the job and then they have to come in and be kind of be the more level-headed like reasonable person and i think that's why i really feel they're going to take it from outside comedy central or maybe yeah, not comedy, I, I, outside the show anyhow and i think the best options have been put up because i think i think as everyone's suggesting it probably should be a woman i think the best options are of course amy poehler and tina fey but one of them, I think, as I've said, I think to you, I think Tina Fey is, is unavailable because I think if she was going to do something like The Daily Show, she could do it for NBC and get paid way more and have a bigger audience. Uh, Amy might be possible. It yeah. depends on what kind of movie deal she has set up post Parks and Rec. Um, I think it depends on how much they have to pay her and if she really wants to do it. I don't know if it's something she would even want to do. Yeah, well, what's hard for me is I kind of came up when Jon Stewart was already on, so it's is easy to singularly associate him with The Daily Show and with this type of, like, um, hard-hitting satire, I guess you could call it. 
Um, well, and he, he certainly crafted that because Craig Kilborn's show was much more of a pop culture sort of soap esque. Uh, oh really? Yeah. So I mean, I get concerned that like you anyone else you think about unless it's an unknown, they're not you're not really known for the political thing. And like Amy Poehler, yeah, she did you know she did this uh, weekend update on SNL and. You know, like you said earlier, before not on the podcast, we were just chatting, was that she this most recent season, last maybe two seasons beforehand of, of Parks and Rec have gotten certainly more political. I mean, Ron Swanson and that whole relationship has always been kind of a political commentary. I think definitely. Um, so there is there is precedent in that she is kind of known, even if only maybe through her character as a diehard, not diehard liberal, but someone who's willing to tackle those political issues in a comedic way. Yeah, and, and I think that we have evidence that she can interview and interact with uh, celebrities and diplomats equally uh, on a casual level, uh, yeah. which I think is the, the hardest part about the position is, is the interview portions. Uh, you think and so? It's, that's the part I have trouble imagining like any of the, co- the commentators, including Jessica, doing because it just, it's hard to relate to everyone. Well, here's my question: Is there like a is there like someone who's a little bit smaller time that's not associated with the show, that is already doing this kind of thing? Like not Zach Galifianakis; he's way too big, and also not not a good choice at all. But like someone kind of that like did a lot of maybe more mm. weird web. Well, the only person shit. I can think of is like somebody like Scott Ackerman or Adam Scott, who both have like these weird. But they're, they're it's all going to be like they're like weird personalities. You know what oh, I mean? Oh wait, like, what does Adam like, Scott do? What do you mean? He's on Parks and Rec as well. The no, problem no, is... The, besides that, though, you mean, you, does he have oh, a web show? Oh, he just, he just, yeah, he just has a couple podcasts where he hosts, and he, I think he could host an interview format show, like, like you know, Chris Hardwick sort of does, too. The problem with that is that it's going to be hard for them to choose and justify choosing another, like, white male with what everyone's talking about the show, at least with their audience. It would be hard yeah. to justify that decision. Um and I think if they do that, they have to. I would go with somebody like Paul F. Tompkins. But I also Who? think the Clark show would. Paul F. Tompkins? Who's that? Uh, he's a comedian. He does a lot of. He, he has uh, several podcasts where he interviews people, mostly as other characters. The thing is that the show would be entirely different. And it might crash and burn under him, but it would be so entertaining as it did. Uh, mm. And that's, that's the real issue I have with whatever they do next is that I hope whatever, whoever they pick doesn't just do the Daily Show as it was. Because when Jon Stewart came in, he revamped a lot of the segments. You know, he kept a lot of the same segments, but then he slowly over the next five years tuned them and, and made them into his own sort of uh, version of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I really hope that whoever they bring in brings in uh, their own version and doesn't just try to do what Jon Stewart did. I think that would be the biggest mistake. Like me, I could do a good job. Sure. Yeah, Hunter for uh, Daily Show. I think that's I could a, definitely. A good I would campaign. definitely make it my own. I think that's like the dream job. Hashtag Hunter for Daily Show. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, do it. All right, let's uh, let's skip and talk to the Grammys for a little bit. We're all gonna miss John Stewart. Uh, I think that it's obviously a sad loss for larger media, and, and I think there's a lot more we can say about it maybe down the line. Well, there's one he, more thing I want to say moving. really quick, really quick. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, there was this thing I saw online. Uh, this writer for Slate uh, was talking about how it's like. His whole thing, it was kind of a personal thing. It was like, I love Jon Stewart, but I'm very happy to see him go. And basically, the underlying thesis, and um, we should throw a link to this up on the website, but the underlying thesis was essentially that he was 
super informative in a funny way, in, uh, in, a, in, in a way that no one really anticipated, and hard-hitting, but always hid behind the veil at the end of the day of I'm just a comedian, and how that kind of echoed into the demographics that were watching it into a way like kind of uh, bred apathy and kind of gave us all a justification for not actually acting on on our morals and on the truth. Because if well, our role model is just Jon Stewart, who is at the end of the day, to his own admission, a comedian to a fault, then there's not a lot of room for activism, which is an interesting point, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. I actually read that article and I, I agree. And I also, I was that was what I was talking about, about talking about this in the future, because I feel like as he continues to leave the show, we can talk more about like his impact on society. But I, I, I feel as if uh, Jon Stewart had a really positive impact on the way that uh, media handled itself for the first like half of the Daily Show, and then the second it half is people? kind of re. Well, he he made us question um, even even how like MSNBC, for example, uh, yeah, like like how Keith Olbermann acts uh, as opposed to uh, Bill O'Reilly, which oh, I think absolutely. was something that a lot of liberals hadn't seen before. That, that was we good. were being just so as important. extremist as the other side. Yeah. But at the same time, I think over the last five years, he's become less and less effective, mostly because the show is sponsored by so many corporate entities that there's only so much he can say about those things. With, you think without, so? Like, well, it's like it, it's sponsored by Viacom at the end of the day. So there's a sense that like if there was really going to be a revolt that the show was going to cause, they wouldn't have put it on the air. So I feel well, as of if... of course. Like, well, my, my point is that like the show acts as if it's sort of um, not revolutionary, but rebellious against the status quo. And I feel like at a certain point it became the status quo because you can't be, you know, in the hot seat rebelling against culture when you become the culture of the mm -hmm. news. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as you said, it bred apathy to a certain degree because I feel like things that I would normally be angry about, I wasn't as angry about because I could laugh about them rather yeah. than fumigate, fume about them for you know, hours at a time. Yeah, but then the question becomes, were you ever going to, if you didn't laugh, were you going to actually act at all anyhow? And secondly, is that, isn't that laughter, like, helpful in its own right, which I would absolutely say yes to. That's the yeah, thing, there's, like... There's a, there's a whole Lewis Black bit about that, but I, I feel like that's, we're going to get bogged down in this. We've already done 14 minutes. Let's talk about the Grammys real quick so we can get off of this. Um, yeah, I, well, I feel like we can come back to this in like in like a few months when it when he's actually retiring and they're talking about who the uh, replacement is and so on. Yeah, I totally agree. This is a super interesting topic, and I really am fascinated by the like humor, apathy, uh, just like versus going crazy in the current political climate. But yeah, let's that's a really interesting topic, and it's ever evolving. All right. Have you ever wanted to look really stylish, but also make sure that nobody will be able to recognize who you are? Well, you may not have known it but you need a Kanye face mask. You ever wanted to feel like a member of the bedazzled witness protection program? Well, then you too need a Kanye face mask. Are you the kind of person whose ego is just too large for a face? Then you definitely need a Kanye face mask. As seen in concert, covered in glitter, and ready to hide your deepest insecurities. When you put it on, your friends will immediately begin to question your sanity, applaud your creativity, and you'll be certified platinum within the week. Guaranteed. Call 1-800-I-AM-A-MARTYR today. That's 1-800-I-M-A-MARTYR. Limited availability. Get yours while supplies last. Warning. Kanye face mask may increase desire to perform with auto-tune and create your own fashion line. May also increase appetite for fish sticks. Also, we love you, Kanye. Keep making great music. Maybe get a sense of humor. Get yours today. 
We should yeah. have a word uh, where Grammys. we like shelf something. Um, now, there's a lot to talk about with the Grammys. I didn't watch most of it. I've only seen clips afterwards. Um, oh, it's funny. Sarah, my fiance, made me watch. Not made me, but like really wanted to watch like as much as we like. Then I, we turned it off maybe at like 11, but West Coast time. Well, well, first, I, I mean, you can talk about it. I just want to say my the highlights that I saw. Uh, Annie Lennox's version of "Spell on You" was amazing. Um, oh yeah, she I was really great. liked the Kendrick Lamar one for best song, and uh, obviously the Kanye thing at the end was kind of amazing as like a piece of uh, musical history culture. And with Prince introducing and then Beck winning the award and then Beck's response to the whole thing, it's just been really interesting to see. You get you get kind of a, a slice of the whole music industry in that one moment. Anyway, mm. uh, we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, but uh, first I want to hear what you had to say about the Grammys, and then I want to talk about my weird thing about the timeline of the Grammys, and then we'll move from there. Hmm. So what are your opinions? What did you feel? Um, I feel like it's all a bunch of bullshit, and it kind of just is annoying, to be honest Oh, it's a huge you. bunch of bullshit. That's why I didn't watch it, because I, I think it's just the, the most congratulatory awards that there are. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I kind of feel that way, like we talked about this earlier too off mic, but I kind of feel that way about all, um, like, all these publicized award shows. Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, also, also award shows of products that are um, pr- made for a profit, you know, like, I know that Kendrick... Well, also, like, the award shows are sanctioned and run by the industry that they're giving the awards to. And then they're advertising on the award shows themselves. I mean, it's just a big pocket liner, but... I feel conflicted saying that wholly because I really do respect people like Kendrick Lamar as artists, mm-hmm. and as you know, like in the, in the um, could you watch the Colbert uh, performance? Oh yeah, yeah, and I saw that the was, SNL one too. I just saw that. That was crazy, and how he calls himself a writer, and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I feel yeah. like you can say that actually, and I wouldn't really yeah. necessarily give a lot of uh, rappers or or musicians in general necessarily. That benefit of the not benefit of the doubt, but like that lofty that title. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, like, I, think I don't think Adam Levine is. A, I don't think Adam Levine of... is a writer. You know, right? Like Bob Dylan's a poet, and I feel like Kendrick Lamar. I've said I've said this before. I think that uh, if there's anyone who's emulating um, Dylan's tradition of folk poeticism, it's rappers these days. I don't think yeah. anybody else is really trying. Maybe Sufjan, but there's very few people who are putting those lyrics out there. Yeah, it's um, funny because like if you one like one kind of interesting. This is a bad example. Would be like uh, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Like maybe has to a certain extent this freewheeling sixties aesthetic, but the it's yeah. all fluff. It's all bullshit fluff, and it's like I enjoy it because it sounds nice, but I don't think. And maybe I just haven't listened to the lyrics deep enough, and I'm sorry. No, I think band, I think you're like, right. It's it's not the hold steady. What's <laughs> oh yeah, well that's the thing. The hold steady is very lyrically deep. I think. That's what I mean. Um, like, I think they, TV on yeah. the radio, maybe even Bare Naked Ladies. Well, that's another conversation. Well, and also, <laughs> and also not new, not new Holsteady as much. I've kind of stopped listening to them. But, like, some of their older stuff, and certainly Lifter Polar is crazy. But, yeah. okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm really stoked Kendrick won. Um, I didn't see it live, but I think the Kanye thing is just ridiculous. And the only thing I have to say about that is that... Um, it was really funny to watch the gif of uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce's reaction. Have you seen that? Yeah, where Jay-Z, uh, until he realizes the camera's on him, is just utterly stunned that he's doing this again. And, and I think and then he like, joins like in. And he's like, no, no. He like says, no, no. He like mouths it. And yeah. it, looks like, it looks like Beyonce is mouthing like, no, Kanye. 
It's yeah, but but so I think that Beyonce realizes she's on camera, so she's oh. also putting on a smile. And then yeah, Jay Z, after a second, realizes that they're that he's on camera as well. It just takes him a second uh, oh. before he realizes that the footage is going to be on him. Um, See, I don't think so. I don't necessarily think it was about the footage. I think that at that moment, uh, Kanye decided not to uh, not to grab the mic. I think that's what it was. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's when he smiled. He was like, oh, okay. He, he he's like, oh, thank God. And that's why he's like laughing because he thinks like maybe yeah. Kanye is making a joke about himself, but it turns out he wasn't. Like I think no, the first, he was not. and it, I, I think the bigger problem is like what he said about Beck is is just stupid because Beck was so respectful about the whole thing, and I we we talked about like I I love the way Beck dealt with this. I I don't really have any opinions on Beck's album. I didn't listen to it. I didn't even know it came out for a long time. Right, um, I feel kind of the same. Uh, but <laughs> as a person, he's a Scientologist, so that's kind of a. Uh, point against him but anyway I don't, he he responded very well he said that Kanye deserved to be on the stage with him that uh that if he also thought that Beyonce deserved this award and for Kanye to then diss upon Beck's artistry just feels like who's he taking shots at he should be he should be focusing his energy on the system and and that's like his problem in the whole is that he like he he's a megalomaniac and he blames the wrong people for every problem that he has in his life like it's just everybody's against him in his eyes well, yeah, but yeah, okay. But didn't you see the what he said about the Grammys themselves? Yeah, and I think I think some of that was accurate. Yeah, he but, like he he was marginally san- like making. But sense. it's like his it's like his uh, rant. Did you see that uh, rant he gave to um, uh, what's his name? Um, like it was Swave, on uh on on his show where he's like talking to him about his fashion investments. Who? And he's like, what? Who? Sway? Sway from, like, back in the day on MTV. He's got that big, like, Jamaican... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I thought you said, Sway. but I couldn't believe that that's who you actually said. No, no, Sway. He's on a show, and he started yelling at Sway as if Sway was, like, against him in this fight about his clothing line. He's like, listen, I put $17 million in this clothing line. You don't understand. These people are against me. You didn't invest $17 million. And he's like, but oh, Kanye, that so was your funny. choice, man. I'm not I against know. you. Like, I'm... <laughs> And also, nobody's, like, trying to be mean to you. Like, chill yeah, out. Yeah, and Sway's like, I'm on your side, dude. I'm just trying to ask you about, like, this new song. Like, we're not even talking about this. <laughs> you, and, like, that's, that's, like, his whole problem is that, like, he, he has some intelligent things to say, but it's so lost in this, like, sense of victimization yeah. and, and megalomania that I, I don't know. He's, he's I think he's there, off man. the deep end, but you know what's funny? 100%. I actually, you know what? I fucking love that album. Did that come out this year? Because I love that yeah. album. No, he's he's still an artist, but he's out of his mind. I mean, there's but a lot of artists who are out of their minds. I Salvador convince, Dali was probably out of his mind. Yeah, maybe. But I got to convince people, that, like, because the album is ridiculous and it's super over the top. But I think, I don't know. I, I probably am reading way too deep into this whole thing. But I really think he is, like, pretty self-aware. And... It's like on the album, it's just so over the top, just like silly rap, not even hip hop, you know? It's Yeah, so... I don't know how much is self-aware or how much is just a projection of self. Um, like, it's like how much of Eminem really knew that like how what he was saying during his rap career was a lot of like, uh, like he, he exaggerated so many claims. Like, does he know he exaggerated those claims or was he at the time period convinced that that was actually his childhood and life, you know? Um, hmm. I don't really oh, know. Oh, you exaggerated it. 
Yeah, definitely. But like, at a certain point, do you buy into your own bullshit? And I think that's Kanye's problem is he's gone back and forth. Like, like at the beginning of his career, he had he had been at a period where he was at a low ego point. And he was doing really well, and then it's like he went to a point that he lost it during eight oh eight, and then people knew he lost it after that last time he went on stage. So then he did that dark twisted fantasy which i feel like was a comeback album because he like wasn't as crazy obsessed with himself yeah or or at least or at least not uh as obsessed with the idea that the world wanted to hear from him and he recognized that he was an asshole and now this new album it's like it's like there's a hint of that still but it's starting to fade and i feel like this next album will probably just be an ego rant of epic (laughs) proportions okay i'm not having i don't really follow him to be honest with you but, yeah, um, that's a whole other thing. But no, you're right. Like, but the one thing I like, this is one line that, that reminded me of the Sway rant about in Kanye where he's like, um, uh, oh man, something about picking the cotton himself and just talking about his clothing line. You know what I mean? I don't remember what it was. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah. I picked the cotton yep. myself. Rich and I, I, racist. All right. Yeah. So Anyhow. real quick. Real quick, before we end, I want to say two more things about the Grammys. One was that I don't understand how the classifications for songs have come up because uh, Childish Gambino was nominated for an album that came out in early 2013, and then Kendrick Lamar was nominated for Best Rap Song for a song that came out like a month and a half ago. Are you sure, so though, about that? Be... Are you sure about, about the Childish about Gambino which one? time frame? Uh, that because the internet came out in 2013? Yeah, because I read an article about it. I, they didn't know how that one was nominated. And then a week later, I realized that I was also nominated, and I was I got even more confused. So, I, I what Grammys, what are your time frame? Is it when things are popular? Like, what? how can you keep nominating totally things right. like Happy December 6th. for different awards? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really make any sense. Um, anyway. But, was, but no, real quick, dude. We already talked about this last year in the same podcast. Which was that the other two, um, the Kendrick Lamar album and Heist, the uh, Macklemore album, both came out in 2012 and were talked about in the 2014 Grammys. Yep, yep. For the uh, year 2013. Yeah. I mean, they came out yep. in the fall, both came out in like, I think September and October. Um, uh, I think that Macklemore's came out in September and then Kendrick's came out in October. Well, it was who funny wrote up Pump, Pumped Up Go Kicks? Ahead. You remember that song? What was that song? Pumped Up Kicks, Foster the People. Yeah, that song came out like a year before it was like a big thing, and then it ended up at the Grammys like six months, a year and six months after it came out as a result. Yeah, well, you know what? Probably part of it is that it doesn't have to do with when it came out. It's so much like when it made its imprint on public consciousness, and that would probably be their argument, so. No, I, I agree. It's just, I think it's ridiculous. And oh, then I go, wanted dude, to... Yeah, the video for Pumped Up Kicks was loaded into Ven- Vev- Vivo, February 4th, 2011. <laughs> yeah, long time ago. Anyway, uh, real quickly, I just want to say what my top five albums of the year, That uh, just because I feel like that's interesting thing to do because we never did yeah. it. Um, uh, for me, the best album of the year was the surprise drop of D'Angelo and the Vanguard's album. Uh, that was so good. I mean, it's a very jazzy, almost inaccessible at times, but I mean, it's everything I think I hope that D'Angelo would bring in you know the new decade. Yeah, I haven't heard um, it at all. Then followed by uh, the Run the Jewels album, which I just think was a solid uh, rap album. Rebell- Talk about rebellious rap. Run the Jewels? I don't know them. Kill a Mike? You know Kill a Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I downloaded it, but never listened to it, yeah. It's so good. And uh, Zach De La Roca is on one of the songs, uh, doing like his first rapping in years since Rage Against the Machine, I think, even. 
What'd you say? Zach Del Roca, the lead singer of uh, Rage Against the Machine, yeah, throws yeah, down yeah, yeah, a, yeah, an awesome verse on that album. Um, oh, sweet, dude. That's awesome. Uh, and uh, my third album was Aphex Twins Return after a decade of not putting out uh, a follow-up album with Syro. Uh, I thought that was great. Once again, almost inaccessible, but I think it's it really um, surmises his direction as an artist and cements him as something different. I thought that was one of the good awards the Grammys gave, too. Was for It's only one guy? Yeah, it's just one dude. Apex oh, Twins. I always thought it was two because of the, the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Beyonce's album both for the way it was released and for the album itself like I'm not even a huge Beyonce fan and I think that was a solid album oh um, you know I got a guilty pleasure that has nothing to do with my top five or anything but I have to say it's kind of got stuck in my, my fucking bean can I tell you what it is sure it's uh, that, that T-Swift a couple of those T-Swift songs dude just between you and me pretty <laughs> fucking good the one where it's like um, uh, the one where okay. it's like this where it's like do 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 do. I can do do terrible things. Do 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 do. Or like I can make the bad guys good for the weekend. Is it gonna uh, yeah, be I'm not, forever? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I like. It's literally, dude. I think it's probably one of the first songs by Taylor Swift that I ever like had heard the whole thing of. And yeah. I'm like, obviously, it's funny because it's so far out of like my wheelhouse genre-wise in so many ways. Right. But at the same time, like. It just got stuck in my head, man. Kind of like well, that's how I thought about baby. Regina Spector when I first got into her, but then I fell in love with her. So anyway. oh, she's great, but yeah, I kind of think yeah, just so catchy, dude, and kind of out of my traditional wheelhouse. But then I think because of Regina Spector, um, and maybe um, oh fucking, uh, what was a girl who played a bard, woman, um, played a more bard. like electro. I don't know uh, who you're talking about. It's like the blank. The blank, parentheses was one of her like popular songs. Oh, oh no, it's those. It's a duo. Um, oh well, God, they did parentheses and that song, uh, Ten Thousand Leagues Under the Sea." I was out of your league. The blow. Oh yeah, the blow. Twenty thousand underneath the. <laughs> that one. Yeah, it's the blow. They played a bard. Yeah, just her. Oh, dude, I, I mean... didn't see that concert. I'm so dumb. <clears throat> oh, dude, it was funny. Um, so they played a bard, and I was hanging out in Carla's dorm. This was freshman year. I was hanging out in Carla's dorm um, in the living room, one of the toasters. And, uh, or no, I wasn't. Sorry, this is Carla's story. Carla was hanging out in the living room of her dorm, and um, she was playing a song by The Blow. It was mainly just that one girl. I think the guy sometimes, or another girl. Um, and well, in the picture, there's two people, so I always assumed it was two people. Okay, yeah. And anyhow, Carla's playing a song, and this girl comes downstairs that she didn't recognize. And this girl's like, oh, I wrote that song. And it's the chick <laughs> from The Blow. <laughs> That's amazing. It's because she, uh, no, no she was staying with a friend at Bard when she played at the show. I mean, she wasn't very big That's... back then. This is like 2007. That's really cool. I mean, Sufjan played at Bard two years before we were there, so I'm not entirely yeah. surprised, but... Oh, yeah. Um, well, I remember Dead last, play, man. Yeah, last last one uh, for albums of the year uh, was War on Drugs, which I just think was a great... I mean, I'm still not entirely sold on their sound, and I think it might be a very temporary thing, kind of like the XX, but I think it was it was right for right now. Um, <laughs> so, so what are your thoughts? Do you have any albums of the year that you want to share? So it's hard. Yeah. I was thinking about this a lot after we talked about it, and it's just like not... 
I, it, what's funny, I think, after I look back on my year of music, is I don't think I listened to a lot of albums this year uh, that were released this or last year that were released last year. Like I kind of go in waves. I think is I just listen to what I like um, for a long time, and then I just like move on to something random. But that being said, a couple of my favorite albums of the year for me that I listened to this year, <laughs> um, or bands that I got into, let's say, was uh, Houndmouth. Houndmouth and um, Jamestown Revival. Kind of think of them in the same vein. Kind of like New Age Americana rock. Yeah, of. I love but Jamestown Revival. I have no idea who that other group is. Oh, you've heard of Jamestown Revival? Yeah, they're great. The one. That yeah, I have, my had... dad actually bought me one of their CDs like a, a year ago. Oh, really? What was it called? Yeah. I don't remember. I just have it. In. They have that one song, The Cast Iron Soul. California. You know that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even. That's a good song. Actually, it's funny. Um, at one of my markets, there's a um, this band. It's a pretty good band named Crowding Out, and they they have some originals. Two guys from Hayward, California, have some originals, and they also do some covers. And they do really like interesting covers. Like they cover um, um, it was like, and I told, and I'll tell you, like Wu told me, cash rules everything around me, singing dollar dollar <laughs> bill singing dollar uh, dollar bill I haven't heard that. You know that song. Out. You know that song? Yeah. yeah, they do they do acoustic cover of that, dude. It's so funny. And then after they were done playing, I put on I put on like a Pandora James Town Revival and they were like, Who is this? Or and I was like, tell them about it, and they were like, Oh man, that's a great song. And then they came back the next week because they happened to be booked two weeks in a row. Like, hey man, we learned the cover of that song, and they did a great <laughs> cover. I was like, sweet guys. I'm glad I could impart some good tunes to you. Um so like that's that awesome. kind of thing. Yeah, I really like that. I really, really have been getting into um Andrew Jackson Jihad. Have you ever heard of them? No. Oh my god, dude. These guys are crazy. It's just like, it's kind of, I don't even know how to describe them. It's kind of like, it's, it's super kind of like gross out political indie rock acoustic sometimes. It's, it like, right, well, it's, I will, I'll definitely Lucy, check that my out. Dog's, before my dog's next. sniffing the mic. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll definitely check um, that out before our next podcast. And guys, uh, if you're listening, please write in, uh, hit us up on Twitter with like what your best albums of the year were and any thoughts you have on the Grammys or anything else. Um, yeah. And uh, next yeah. next week, uh, we're going to be talking um, Republican presidential candidates, uh, as well as maybe some stuff to do with the campaign finance reform. Ooh, my favorite. Yeah. All right, um, sweet. And this has definitely gone on too long, so we're going to maybe cut out some 30 minutes plus. Mini. No, that's okay. I think it was a good conversation. This is good banter. All right. All right. Hunter likes it. We're sticking with it. Peace out, <laughs> guys. All right, guys. Have a good night. I'm going northward in, like, moments. And you're going south. And I'm going south. Cool. So let's head opposite directions. Yeah. say goodbye. All right. Bye, buddy. Bye. Henry and Ops. 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 Hey, watch the wolf suit.